Hey y'all, sorry about the uh, jump cut here. <clears throat> uh, this is part two. Um, believe it or not, I would, I've been rambling on for like 10-15 minutes without realizing I got cut off, so uh, hopefully I don't forget all the absolute gems I was providing you guys with. Um, but nonetheless, here we are. Back on the game. I So I thought, I went back and checked, I think I was talking about Tony Fino. In the long-term form, he was fourth in my model, um, and I'm not going to uh, take this too much longer. I'll probably only go for, you know, maybe another 30 minutes, perhaps. Um, I'm also multitasking, getting my computer charger out here so I can keep the stats rolling for you guys. You guys are overloading my computer power here. Um, I'm crunching so many numbers that uh, it's just kind of like taking over my life, taking over my computer storage space. Um, but I do it for the I do it for the people. I do it for y'all. All right. I don't know why I'm talking Southern today. I think because we're we're at Augusta National. Like I don't really ever say y'all, but it just like feels right to just kind of like y'all it up right now. So uh, I'm glad you're here. If you're checking out part two, I mean. God love you. I don't know how you got here. Um, as they say in uh, down south, they say, well, actually, I don't want to insult you guys, but sometimes they'll say, like, oh, bless your heart. And that usually means, like, you're kind of a dum-dum. Um, you know, they'll say, oh, bless your heart. Uh, it's definitely not something, if you if, if a lady's telling you bless your heart and you're down south, especially if she's, like, between 40 and 55 if her name's Pat, or like Joanne, and she's telling you, oh, bless your heart, you, you probably like, I don't know, we're eating cereal with a fork or something, like, I don't know, something's, something's gone wrong, so, um, but moving on, yeah, Tony, Tony was fourth in the model, um, I think I got decently far through his stats, he's third on the par fives, I think that's why he's popping up for me a little bit, uh, Xander's fifth, uh, seventh and around the greens, fourth in greens and regulation, sixth in scrambling, first in par five scoring. Look, I love Xander. Um, I think I've already talked about it probably some concerns with his price being so close. To, he's only 200 less than Dustin. I just think Dustin's a way better player with more win equity. Um, I don't think Xander should be a thousand more than Fee now. I think um, they, they're a little closer than, than this would illustrate. Um, I don't know, I just think, and Xander's been riding a hot putter, so um, his approach game's only 35th on the field long term, he's only gaining .2 strokes per round uh, since the restart after COVID, um, so I don't know, I think uh, I think you just got to be a little careful with Xander at this price, and he's always popular, so if he's like 20% owned, I mean, I'm just full fading him, um, and he, he's great, he's well rounded, he fits the course pretty well. I just, uh, I just think your money is better spent on more win equity with guys like Dustin, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, uh, who are, who are, uh, if you want a little refresher, first guys on my model, Justin Thomas, John Rahm, Dustin Johnson, Tony Fino, Xander Schauffele, that's the top five. Six, you got Adam Scott, uh, he's 16th in approach, 14th around the greens, 28th in opportunities gained, seven, seventh in greens and regulation, 13th in driving distance. 10th and 3 putt avoidance, uh, which surprised me because Adam Scott's a pretty bad putter. Um, 
He's 56th in scrambling, and he's 45th in par 5 scoring. Um, Adam Scott's numbers are actually going to be a little cloudier in this long-term form because 50 rounds for him over the last three months, um, that would be like 12 rounds or so. Um, but for him, he, he barely ever plays. He plays like once a month. So we could be talking like it might be still peaking at some stats from like a year ago with him. Um, now he can definitely wake up and just like probably shoot like three under uh, at any course in the world. Like he's just one of the most purely talented golfers in the world. He's won a green jacket. He's a Masters winner. He's 8,900. Um, and, you know, the stats as far as like super long term, back it up um he's been playing decently well short term too so you know i'm not going to talk yet about adam scott i think if he's 25 percent owned i think i do have some concerns about just rust um i think it has win equity concerns against some of the big dogs if you know he hasn't been playing super competitive golf as much as these guys have people playing gangbusters they play through the whole tour championship um, maybe they took a little break in some of this major season stuff but like a lot of these guys have been playing high stakes, high level, either major golf or like WGCs, no cut events with a ton of money on the line. Like that's just a different environment to play golf in. And a lot of these guys that just don't play a lot of golf, like it just takes some time to get, you know, get the motor running again. Um, so I do, you know, I think that's the risk with him there. Um, Hideki is seventh in my model. Uh, best short game in the world, one of them, him, him, Patrick Reed, or Justin Thomas. It's sort of a close battle. Um, Cam Smith's up there, too. Um, but, yeah, he's seventh in scrambling. He's fourth strokes gain around the greens. He's ninth in approach, seventh in my model. Um, he hasn't given himself a ton of opportunities. His green and regulations are down. Um, so his approach game, even though he's ninth in approach, um, it leads me to believe... Um, that maybe he's just been uh, I don't know I think he's been sort of I think that sort of points to inconsistency when the stats don't really make a ton of sense like the fact that you can be ninth in approach but then 30 second in opportunities gain means that like when he hits the green he's like three feet away if you guys know what I'm saying like so basically Spa says to me like he, he's he's the ninth best at getting extremely close to the hole. Um, maybe even he might be the best at getting extremely close to the hole on his approach shots. Um, but then he also seems to be also missing um, a lot of greens. Um, so another thing that implies to me is that I think he's playing pretty aggressively. Um, that whenever a pin's tucked in the corner, a lot of guys might be firing to the middle of the green, um, just kind of playing it safe. I think because he is not a good putter and he has such a good short game, he plays in a way that he's kind of just firing at pins and he might miss the green, he might not. When he does hit the green, he's fucking just sticking it like a foot away. Um, and when he misses, which at Augusta um, can happen, but he has the short game to back it up. Um, so I think... Um, you know, it's kind of that's kind of what the stats are telling me. Uh, maybe a little inconsistency on the approach, um, but I think it more stems from aggression uh, rather than you know him being all over the place. Um, so I think I'm still I'm still pretty interested in Hideki, especially at 8,700 bucks, um, and especially at lower ownership because he's next to Finau, who's going to be extremely popular. Um, 
I think it's definitely a place I'm going to be looking this week for sure. Um, so next on my list is Colin Morikawa. He's eighth in my model. He's fourth in approach, 40th around the green, sixth in opportunities gained, 13th in green, greens and regulation, 14th in strokes gained, par five. Um, yeah, I mean, those. <laughs> it's hard to really argue with, with those stats. Uh, the stats he's not great in is 40th around the green, 55th in scrambling, 59th in driving distance. Um, as I mentioned, though, he's, he's, he's not known for being long off the tee, but he is extremely accurate. Uh, so if, if it turns into one of these things where it's super windy, super crazy conditions, just holding onto the fairways is, is a huge advantage. Um, I could see him, you know, and he's also very good at long irons. Um, and as mentioned, I mean, he's, he's fourth in the field in approach. So um, it's, it's hard to argue with, with that, especially at a second shot golf course. I just, I, we've already talked about the inflated price. Um, so next, next in my, uh, in my rankings was Ty Hatton. Um, he's a fifth in approach in the field. So second shot golf course, he's another guy I really like this week. Uh, but 9,400, again, for the same reasons as Morikawa, I think uh, it's a little concerning. However, I think Ty Hatton is in better form. Um, he's equally sort of middling off the tee. They're actually, you know, Collins 59th, uh, Ty Hatton's 49th. Um, but I just think Ty's in better form. He's been like, basically, he's won two of his last four events. I'm uh, pretty sure he topped 20 in the week he didn't win. Um, I don't know. I think he's an interesting pivot off of uh, some of the higher-priced guys. I think he does have some win equity, as does Morikawa, but um, I think I like Hatton's putting. I think I like Hatton in really, really hard conditions, which it could be. Um, I believe he's played here before as well. I'm almost positive he has, so um, I don't know. Uh, I think I, if I'm going to pivot at Hatton, it might be an interesting place to look if I'm pivoting off of, like, the Patrick Cantley chalk. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I stand here. Uh, next is Siwoo Kim, 10th of my model. Uh, 8th around the greens, 30th in approach, 12th on opportunities gain, 8th in scrambling, 10th in driving distance. So he's long off the tee, good short game. Very good combo for Augusta. Um... He is a, he's usually a, I think he's like a Donald Ross specialist, um, which is not what Augusta is, but uh, I think that Donald Ross courses are somewhat correlation with uh, Augusta. Um, I think you do see it's a lot of like, you know, drive the ball well, tough green concepts, tough putting. That's kind of like a good a good formula. Now, Siwoo's a bad putter, um, but he's good on everything else. Uh, and his short game is world class as well. He's top, he's eighth in short game and scrambling around the green. So, um, yeah, definitely have some interest in him at 6,800. I, I wouldn't go overboard. You don't need to. I don't think he'll, I think he'll be about 10% owned. Um, so you only need like two lineups. Uh, I don't mind it. 11th in my model is Patrick Cantlay. I've already said I've bet him. Uh, and I bet him a little more when he got to 2,800. He's 11th in my model, 24th in approach, 17th around the greens, um, 29th in greens and regulation, but he's 5th on par 5s, which I think is huge. He's 10th in scrambling. Um, again, I think he's a pretty aggressive player. Um, his short game is definitely improving. Uh, 
it's usually it was a sand game that was bad. His short game's been always been fine. Um, but yeah, short games look really good lately. Um, he obviously is coming off a win at the Shriners, I want to say it was. Um, that was kind of a birdie fest, but... Or was it the Zozo? I, I think I had already said it was the Zozo, so probably should uh, <laughs> back that up. Um, but, uh, yeah, then 12th in my model is Shane Lowry. He has a horrible course history here, so I'm actually just going to not talk about him. I don't think he's a great fit. His, his form's okay. I think he could make a cut for you at 7,300. If you need, like, a last guy in your lineup, I just wouldn't... Uh, I wouldn't go crazy with him. I just don't think he's a he's a great fit. He doesn't like this course that much. Um, Webb Simpson is 13th. I love him. Bet him already. 9,300. So this is a good example. Webb Simpson's DraftKings price. He's priced with guys like Xander. Xander's like 13 to one this week. Webb's 40 to one. Um, so I'm feeling really good about that Webb bet. Um, you might even bet him top five. I bet his top five odds aren't terrible. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love the old Weber this week. I think he's a great uh, play, except that he's always so high-owned. I think maybe this price, because, again, he's, you know, only 400 less than a guy like Brooks Kepka is 9,700. He's um, right there with, I think he's a better player than Morikawa. I think he's a better player than Hatton, and he's lower priced than them by 100 bucks or 200 bucks. Um, so I like him with value there. He's uh, priced higher than Matsuyama. Um, I think that's probably accurate. He's a little more win equity. Um, he's priced above Fino. He obviously has more win equity than him. I think uh, I think he's fairly priced this week, so I think his ownership still comes in around twenty percent because he's always just very popular. Um, but I still I still like him. Um, if again the conditions play really wet, I think his short length off the tee can be a problem for sure um, but the rest of the stats he's 15th around the greens 10th in opportunities 9th in scrambling 12th in three putt avoidance um, he's been putting lights out and he's he's really good bent grass putter which is what Augusta is um, he's 34th in greens regulation um, so I, I definitely have some interest in web I think the the betting number is terrible I think the DraftKings price is more fair um, so I'll probably you know I think he's a better bet than like a guy to start with in DraftKings. If he's if if you're building like three guys in the nine K range and then maybe two guys in the sevens or whatever, maybe throw in um, Lanto Griffin who's a who's a mispriced this week at sixty six hundred. Uh, I don't know someone like that. Um, some of the other guys we've talked about earlier too. See Luke Kim sixty eight hundred. Corey Connor sixty six. Like like those type of guys is your last guy in to make the cut. Um, I don't think is a bad play. I just wouldn't like build entire teams around him but yeah Webb is your like one of two or three guys in the top of your lineup I think is a good way to uh you know <clears throat> add a little more win equity into some of your more balanced teams um so yeah that's my take on Webb uh only other notable guy Young Young Ann's 6700 he's 14th in my model mostly because he has a world-class short game um he's 21st in approach which is pretty good for a guy 6700 I think he could make a cut for you um, but I'm not, like, in love with him this week. Um, Brooks Kepka, 15th in my model. Uh, he's 23rd in approach, but I think that's improving. As I mentioned, he was popping the charts in the very short-term ball-striking stuff of last week's tournament. Um, I think I saw enough out of him to be a believer. Uh, I've already bet him at 17-1. I think 9,700. He's priced under all of the big names. Um... 
as I mentioned at the top of the part one show, I kind of, whoever the, the best priced guy, the, the highest number I can get on an elite guy is usually the, the one that, number one, you're getting the most value on. Uh, Brooks has a ton of win equity in a field like this. He came second in this tournament last year. He's obviously comfortable here. Um, if he is really healthy, he's been rehabbing. He's, uh, I think he's sort of, you want to catch these guys before they're, you know, Brooks would be 10 to 1 if he'd been healthy coming into this tournament. Um, and you're getting almost double the price. I think that's the time when you want to grab a guy like Brooks who can just come out and just win and bully the field. Um, so I just kind of like him in a lot of categories. Again, I don't know if I'm starting with him because of the risk of rust. But with the injury stuff, he played Houston last week. He he did okay. I think he topped 20. Uh, he popped on the ball striking. Uh, but you're still taking some chance there. So I almost like him as a second guy in. Um, unless you're building one of those three 9,000 guys, like I mentioned, where you go with like him, Cantlay, and Webb. Um, and maybe you have a nice little core there. You do have to probably dip down into the sevens and sixes, but um, as we mentioned, there are some guys I like down there, especially in this small field like Sebastian Munoz, um, a lot of those type of guys. So, um, all right, let's keep moving along here. Corey Connors, 16th of my model, 13th approach, 13th opportunities gained, 29th in par five scoring. He's about as low as I would go, 6,600. I don't really like dipping below like 65 this week. Um, the rest of the guys are all those guys like former champions, um, blah, 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 like 80-year-old dudes that won the, won the Masters in 68. And if I were them, dude, I would totally be playing this every single time. If you make the cut somehow, like, fuck yeah, you're, you're pretty much cashing like, I don't know, 75, 80K in a weekend. Um, I mean, why not? Why not give it a run? Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm sure that I'm sure one of them will slide through, um, but it's just not really worth the, worth the risk unless you're making like a make, make the cut bet on like Freddie couples or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where the, where the angle is there, but, uh, yeah, moving along. Um, where else are we in my model? I'm going to find Bryson here. There he is. Uh, Matthew Wolf's 18th and he's right by Bryson. Um, so I'm going to say Matthew Wolf stats real quick. Third in opportunities, gained seventh in approach, sixth in driving distance. Um, I like him this week. I mean, his price is a little inflated for a first-round guy, but, you know, I think if there's anyone, if he gets through the cut, he's just going to outscore his placement points so often because he just makes so many birdies. He's so long, he gets a lot of eagle opportunities. He's a good putter. Um, he's kind of a pretty well-rounded player, to be honest, um, whenever he, everything's clicking. So, um, and he's got supreme talent, and I think this might be the year of just, like, first-timer, major winner, young guy studs. Um, he's kind of on that list. So um, definitely keeping some of him. Then Bryson. Uh, so Sergio was actually next, next to my model. He's withdrawn for COVID. Same with Joaquin Neiman. Um, unfortunately, two guys I like, especially Neiman. Um so, uh, you know, keep that in mind. Bryson's next to my model. Uh, the approach game, it's been, it's been shaky. That's been the only thing that has me a little nervous. Uh, it's probably what has Vegas nervous. It's probably what has Sharps betting against him. Um, and, the, you know, all the public money is, is on him because they saw him win the U.S. Open. I don't debate that he's arguably the best player in the world right now because of his just like he took one part of his game and just tweaked it like cranked it to the max to the point that he is just gaining so many strokes on the field in that category and distance is going to play a huge part this week 
obviously is a fantastic play um, in all in all phases. He's a good short game. He's an incredible putter. But without his putting book, I think um, he'll probably come closer to like. I mean, he's not going to come outside of the top 20 in putting. He's just too good of a putter to like putt bad. But I think he goes from being like a top three putter in the field to maybe like a top 10. Um, it might just even out, sort of flatten out some of his, his putting advantage this week. Um, but that's probably why he's cranking the driver to the max to try to kind of still give himself a huge edge. Um, but yeah, he's 47th in approach. And part of that is he hitting the ball so far that he's having to hit like half wedges into these greens. Um, that's causing him to uh, have a tr it's, it's really hard to distance control. If you guys play golf, um, I, I play a decent amount. Um, it's it's really hard. I would sometimes in some cases, it's just easier when you can swing on a full wedge or a full like 52 degree, 56 degree sand wedge. If you can just swing full, you know your distance, um, you know what kind of ball flight and trajectory, and you know what kind of spin. Especially these guys need to need to really dial in on like every little thing. They're trying to like calculate stuff to the exact yard. Um, how much it's going to roll, how much it's going to release, and that kind of stuff can be hard to dial in when you're hitting half a wedge. Um, it comes in at lower trajectories, you're getting a lot more roll, it can roll out past the pin a lot more, so you have to just land it uh, in different spots. Um, it's just, it adds some different variables that he's still trying to, to dial in. Uh, he has a, had a little time to do that, but it's definitely reflected in his approach shots here. Um, but again, it, you know, if the greens are playing super fast, uh, which they typically are, um, but if it's a little wet, they might be a touch more receptive. They're still going to be cut really short. Um, and fast putting probably benefits him just because he's so much better than everyone else But at putting. But uh, I think if, if the greens are a little more receptive and, and it's a little wetter, um, I think that does benefit him. Number one, being so much far further ahead than everyone else on carry distance. And number two, if he's flicking in these little half wedges, uh, a little more receptiveness helps the ball stick a little better for him, um, might improve his approach game there. So uh, that's the pro Bryson argument after I kind of talked everyone out of him at the top of the show. Um, if you want to know the pro Bryson argument, that's kind of where it's at. Um, he's going to take a really aggressive lines off the tee. Um, he's fourth in the field in opportunities gained. He's, uh, I would imagine, leading the field in birdies are better gained. Um, he's first in driving distance, that's obvious. Uh, so that's the long-term stat. Um, so I mentioned earlier the short term over the 12 rounds, he was only third in driving distance, so that was a little bit cloudier. Now that we zoom out a little more, he's, he's way ahead, he's first in driving distance. Um, he's 17th in scrambling, 16th in power 5 scoring. Um, 43rd in 3-putt avoidance long term is sort of an interesting stat. Not really sure. Um, there's a chance that he just doesn't put himself in a lot of uh, like spots where he is three putting, but then whenever he does, it really shows up um, a lot. I guess would be an explanation for that uh, because it's, it's just like a shorter, a smaller sample size. Um, hard to say. I, I don't think it's too, something to like write him off for. Everything else looks pretty solid. Um, some of his short game stats, it's weird. He's, he's 56th around the greens, but he's 17th in scrambling, sort of similar to um, whoever else we were talking about earlier. Um, I think it's just also a reflection of how aggressive he plays. He's firing at every pin. Um, so I, I think uh, he's definitely, you know, there's a reason he's the highest price guy this week. 
Uh, next to my model is Patrick Reed, and he's going to kind of round out the top 20. I'm going to talk about one or two more guys and get out of here. Um, so Patrick Reed, he's 18th around the greens, but he's better than that. I think that's uh, probably still not quite showing us the whole picture because, um, yeah, scrambling numbers aren't great. His approach game's not looking amazing. Um, so I, I'm, I love Patrick Reed. He, he's great at Augusta. He is fit. Uh, he is fourth in par five scoring in the field, and he's seventh in three putt avoidance. So he's been putting well. He's been um, 18th and around the greens. I think he's actually better than that. He's probably a top five short game guy. Um, I just think the shortened season probably is uh, reflecting that since COVID. He has, he's, I don't think he's played as many rounds as a lot of people. So um, I wouldn't read too much into his stats. I think he's been playing a lot better on the back end of the season because um, he had a pretty tough start, if I recall. Um, so, you know, he 9,200 is a lot um, for his kind of form. I think he's been shaky off the tee at times. Um, and I think, honestly, his approach game, the reason he's getting up and down uh, and the reason we know his short game is so good is because his approach game isn't always, like, you know, the sharpest. Uh, but clearly he's won here, so um, he's probably pretty comfortable. I don't mind it. He's not my favorite play on the board. Um, two more guys I want to talk about. Uh, Jason Kokrak and Scotty Scheffler. I'll start with Kokrak. He's 7,000. It's way too cheap. He's a bomber. I already mentioned top of the show. He's like, I think he's top 10 in carry distance, maybe even top 5 for the field. He's never played here before, so that's why his price is so deflated at 7,000. His betting, his betting odds are like 90 to 1, 80 to 1, something like that. Is He's an interesting look. I don't, I don't love it. Um, I just don't think he's going to win. But at 7K on DraftKings, all he's got to really do is make the cut and then maybe cruise to a top 15 for you somehow. And that's I think that's within the realm of, of possibility if he makes the cut. So um, I really like him at his price. He's sort of middle of the road in a lot of stats. 32nd in approach, uh, 65th around the green. The short game short game is notoriously not great, and, and his putting is not great. But he's great off the tee, and he's good on approach. So... Um, you kind of take what you got with these like low 7k guys um, he's 17th opportunities gained he's fifth green regulation gained 12th in driving distance 28th in par 5 scoring so um, greens and regulation driving distance and opportunities gained he's all he's cracking the top 15 um, so i think that's your top 15 upside right there um, i think it's very promising i think and then you know the other good categories for him are in the 20s so um, i think it's it's certainly uh, a good play this week. Um, and then Scotty Scheffler, I've already bet him 66 to 1. His number hasn't really moved much. I don't think anyone's too excited because it's, he's a first timer again. But, uh, you know, the field's weaker. He's long off the tee. He can go low. He uh, went toe to toe with Dustin uh, at uh, TPC Boston, which I think is an interesting comp course. It's a little easier, obviously, but um, it has some of the similar elements. Um, he's 25th in my model, 54th in approach since COVID, but he, he, he tested positive for COVID like a month and a half ago. Um, I think it had a little bit of an effect on him, shaking some rust off in the past few weeks, which is probably dragging the stats down a little bit. Um, but he can definitely get so hot and turn things around. I think, uh, he's worth the risk here at only 7,800. On DraftKings, I think that price is way too low. I think he fits in a lot of builds for me. Um, he's probably going to be a, a staple for me in my lineups this week, um, especially in like cash games. 
um, and some of these like multipliers with only 30 people in them and stuff. I think I just like his his uh, DraftKings upside per uh, per dollar spent. It allows me to get a few of the other bigger guys in. Um, I don't know. I think I just uh, I like the way he's playing right now. He's 29th opportunities gained, 17th green in regulation, 14th in driving distance. He's 16th in par five scoring. He's 13th in three putt avoidance. Like um, he has been riding a hot putter as of late. Um, but I think he's getting things dialed in a little bit. He was gaining a lot of strokes off the tee um, on distance, and then he can he can put the lights out. So I think Scotty is worth a look, not just because me and him have the same name, but, you know, just because. He, he just looks good this week for the price. Uh, Sebastian Munoz, 26th of my model, 15th of opportunities gained. Um Everything else is sort of middling. I think if you need a guy to make the cut, I think he's a good candidate. None of his stats. Uh, the only stat that he's above 50th in the field, which is the cut line, is uh, he's 53rd in driving distance, but I think that can be negated by his accuracy off the tee. He's been pretty hot right now. Um, he's had a couple top 10s in the past month or so. Uh, at only 6,700, I think he provides a nice upside. It is his first time here, um, so, you know, tread with caution but I think he'll be probably single digit owned uh, if that's the case I think if you can throw him in a lineup maybe two if you're playing 20 lineups uh, if you're playing like three lineups don't put him in there um, same goes with a lot of these guys I've mentioned in the, like the sixes but except for Lanto Griffin who I think is the best uh, one of the best guys in the sixes 6600 um, he's long off the tee good approach game and he can get it extremely hot with the putter um, so another another guy to look at at 66 um, and I think that really sort of rounds it out as far as low guys for me um, if I think anybody else I'll let you guys know but yeah realistically uh, what the heck happened here yeah sorry guys my stat, stat model got mixed up I think that's uh, probably a sign for me to, to hit the road here but uh, yeah it's been it's been a it's been a good episode I think we found some nuggets of of good info here um, and yeah I think uh, yeah we're about at an hour and a half I think it's a good cutoff point I wish you guys uh, the best of luck oh I didn't really touch enough on ownership let's take one quick little sneak peek at ownership also, you know what? I'm going to take a spin on the simulator as well. There's a simulation tool I can use here. I'm using FantasyNational.com. For any of you guys who are interested, they probably have some kind of free promotion or free trial going. If you want to check it out for the Masters, I would hop over. You can zoom around on the stat model. Build your own stats if you think I'm a buffoon and don't know what I'm doing. Um, which, you know, a case could be made. Cases can always be made. Um, let's see here. All right, ownership. So calculated ownership percentages here. Dustin Johnson comes in the highest, 24%. Not a surprise. His price is a little deflated because of the COVID stuff. He came second last week. He's second in the field in strokes gained at Augusta. Um, you know, he checks a lot of boxes. Next is Tony Finau. He's a popular player. His price is too low at 8,800. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's just always popular. He scores a shit ton of DraftKings points. He has a good history at Augusta. Um, you know, I could see why I could see why his, uh, his ownership would come in like that. Uh, John Rahm next on the list. Makes sense again, 21%. So I think what we are seeing here is nobody's, like, dominating the ownership. I think it's all pretty flat at the very top. 
Next guy down is Bubba, 19% at 9K. That actually kind of uh, talks me out of Bubba a little bit, unfortunately. I just think, uh, although he has upside, he's obviously he has two green jackets. Or he only has, I think you only get to keep one jacket, but he has two trophies um, at the Masters, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, you know, it's hard to argue against him at courses he's comfortable at. Uh, but I think winning the Masters three times is pretty tough. And I also think um, at 9K, I just... I just think the price is a little too inflated. I think they've built in a lot of his upside into that price, and I just think you have more win equity with other guys. Um, he's playing great. He's playing absolutely fantastic in the short term. Um, I just, uh, at 20% ownership, I think, if he misses the cut, which is very much possible, he's missed a lot of cuts this year, um, at least I think, yeah, I have that perception of him. Um, because I've definitely had him when he's missed the cut, so that's probably why I have that perception. But, uh, yeah, I just think if 20% if of the field's on him, those 20% of lineups are, are in really bad shape, and they wasted a guy in the 9K range on a guy who I think is, is, is a cut risk. Um, not like, you know, as I've said, it's going to be a lot easier to make the cut, so I understand the argument from that perspective, but I think at high ownership, I think you have to take a look at this kind of stuff, and um, it scares me having Bubba at 19, 19.6 to be exact. Um, next is Justin Thomas. He's 17%. I think that makes sense. Uh, he comes in a little under Dustin and Tony and Rom. Um, so I always like Justin because his ownership's just a little bit lower than some of the big, big names, and he's just as talented. Sometimes you get a price discount this week. Uh, we got about 500 bucks off of the top-priced guy, Bryson. Um, not a bad discount. Uh, I do like me some Justin Thomas. Uh, next is Xander. He has almost identical ownership percentages as Justin. Um, so that right there tells you, and, and although there is some, he's about 900 bucks cheaper, I just, I just think Justin has more win equity. And at the same ownership, I think it's a no-brainer. I'd be, I'd be preferring Justin there. Um, Hideki, 17.8. All these guys are kind of pretty flat. Bryson's actually coming in at 17%. Um, I think he'll probably crack the 20s if I had to guess. I think that might be a little low on the projections. It's probably because his price is a little prohibitive. Um, it's the highest priced golfer. I think people also just like to be somewhat contrarian um, on the highest priced guy. Um, but I do like that they haven't priced up there because he's definitely the odds on favorite. So 17%, um, I think I can still get above the field at like. Uh, I'm almost double the field if I'm playing 30%. Maybe I get to 35 or 40 just to make sure I'm not like, you know, have have more of my lineups. Um, but I really do like to splat. I think I'm I am gonna want to spread the love a little bit on some of those those bigger guys um, because I do like a few of them pretty pretty well. Uh, and it's gonna be hard to fit all of them in certain spots. Um, so I'm gonna see how I want to attack that. Maybe I'll keep him more around 30 but at 70 percent i actually don't mind him as much if he was in like the high 20s or 30s i think there's a there's a there's a fade argument to be made but it's not looking like that's the case which is good um patrick reed 16 percent we've talked about some concerns with the approach game obviously is the short game to do it if the conditions play really hard I, I have a little more interest um but he is kind of a guy for all seasons he can he can kind of do well in, in a lot of different scenarios but uh I don't know. I think it's just uh, something to keep an eye on with Patrick is that shaky approach game lately. 
Um, next is Kokrak. He's 16% owned. I think that's a little concerning. Um, at 7K, though, I can see why he's he's uh, this percentage. He's, he's in really good form, so I think it's a bit of a misprice because of his, uh, you know, never having played here. Um, and a guy like Cam Smith being a lower owned, and he's only 7,300, and he has a good track record here, I think that tells me that uh, I'm probably going to move. I don't have a ton of Kokrak shares, but I'm probably going to stay put on Kokrak at like 15% owned for me personally, um, and then probably be a little more overweight on a guy like Cam Smith, who's 14% owned. I can get to like 20%, um, 25% even, and maybe even 30 if I want to go double the field. Um, because he is so cheap and has, has the good course history, good short game, decently long off the tee. Um, I don't know. I think uh, I think Cam's probably the better play when I'm looking at ownership like I am here just because he's played here before. Uh, next is Cantlay. He's 14%. I'm actually surprised. I thought that'd be a little higher, um, but we'll see. Um, so I definitely like having some Cantlay. 9600 is a nice price relief. Uh, and, and again, I think he has way more win equity than a guy like Bubba, who's almost 8% more owned um, at only $600 less. Um, I think I, I, I'd like me some Cantley this week. Wolf's next 13. Um, so let's look at some of the bigger guys here. Rory's 13.5. Jason Day's 13.3. Jason Day's another guy who has a great track record at Augusta. He's playing pretty well. Um, He's been, uh, I don't know, I think he's trending in the right direction. I expect him to actually be higher owned, but and at 8400 I think Jason Day's price is a little too cheap. I'm, I'm almost, I feel bad not talking about him uh, on, on part one, but by you guys sticking to part two, you get a little extra nuggets. Um, that's where the gold is, boys. That's where the gold is. I think I think Day, if he's only at 13% ownership, I, I like him a lot more. I was worried he was going to creep up into the 20s. Uh, he's sometimes a withdrawal risk. He can get hurt. He's, I don't know, he's hes kind of all over the place, but good history at Augusta, world-class short game, um, decently long off the tee, can play in tough conditions. Uh, one of the best putters in the world, if not the best putter in the world long-term. Um, I like some Jason Day at 8,400 and 13% ownership. Uh, really ups, ups the ante for me on him. Um, see what Kim's next 13%. I think that's a little scary with him at 6,800, but uh, you know these guys in the teens It's not the end of the world. I don't think that's that's not what I'd call like full chalk um, Justin Rose 11% Webb Simpson 11% all right if that's real and I don't know if it is Webb is always so popular um, It may be because of the increased price. I think Webb's usually popular because he's usually in like the 8k range now He's in the 9k um, if he's only 11%, I might be loading up on some web. Now, maybe people are looking at the weather. They're worried about the soft conditions. I could see that. Um, I just think, man, having an advantage over 90% of the field if web starts creeping into the top 10, ah, that just feels pretty good. I don't know, boys. I'm going to have to take a peek at that. Um, and then Scotty Scheffler, same thing, 11%. He's only 7,800. It's because he has only played here never. Um, hmm. It's interesting. Lanto, same thing, 9%. All right, Kevin Kisner, 9.4%. Decent track record here, 7,100. He's hitting a lot of greens in regulation. Uh, he's a good putter, good short game. Not very long off the tee, but if you're correlating lineups, this is a good example. Webb's a guy 
uh, you know, he's kind of a guy for all seasons. He can play most courses unless it's like a Monster Bombers track. Um, but if you're going to play a guy like Webb, I think he correlates nicely if you're building those like upper nines guys. Um, I think he'd come down to Kevin Kisner, um, who kind of is a sneaky short knocker, accurate off the tee, good putter like Webb. Um, I think those guys, if you think that the conditions for Webb, like you want guys to have a good path to victory or a good path to a to a nice win or a nice top 15, nice top 20. If there's a 7K guy, you just need him to do that. Um, I think if Webb's make getting it done, Kisner's way more likely to get done in an environment that Webb is getting it done in. So if that makes sense. And the same thing why you want to correlate a guy like Cam Champ, who, by the way, is coming in at 6.8% ownership. I love that. Um, a guy like Cam Champ, I think, correlates nicely with guys like Dustin, Rom, uh, Bryson, a lot of the bombers, um, especially Bryson. Um, so I think uh, I think that's a good play. And then uh, let's see. I mean, let's be honest, guys. Colin Morikawa, 7.4% owned. If this is true, um, I think throwing him in two lineups is is worth a look. Um, but again, I think. I'd prefer Webb if he's only 11%, but but at 7%, you could even throw more cow in one lineup. I know um, I usually prefer to have a minimum of two. I think it's getting a little too, spreading yourself a little too thin if you have guys in just like one lineup. Um, just to don't give yourself enough outs. If more cow does do well, you still have to hit like every other thing perfectly um, with only one lineup out of 20. Um, so, you know, decide where you're going to make your stands, decide who you like based on what I've sort of been rambling on about here for almost two hours. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, another guy, JT Poston, 6,300. If you need just like a min price flyer and GPPs, I wouldn't play him in cash games with small fields. I'd play him in big, huge tournaments with big payouts where you need a guy. He's probably going to be like 4% owned. He's um, 6,300 bucks. You can fit, you can jam in a bunch of those big guys. We talked about the big name guys. Um, and then just jam in a guy like JT Poston at the bottom as your sixth guy in. Um, maybe even have like Lanto Griffin and JT. You have two guys in the sixth cage. You have a bunch of top tier guys. I, I think you can get crazy. Uh, Justin Harding, same thing, 3% owned. He's a top 12 tier last year as a rookie. He played well last week. I think he could sneak into a lineup or two for me. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at for now. Uh, I wish you guys a shit ton of luck somebody I'm hoping somebody that listens to this can send me a screenshot on Twitter um, or wherever you're hearing this when I post it um, my name's Mac underscore Gruber on Twitter uh, uh, a big fan of the McGruber movie back in college when I made my Twitter account if you couldn't tell um, yeah that's where I put my my golf picks um, so yeah but if anybody hits for the big money the big cheese this week and you listen to the pod let me know I would love to hear about it and uh or, you know, if you're one of my buddies, just fucking, you know, you can just text me. That's fine. That's fine, too. Um, but anyway, guys, yeah, best of luck. Um, thanks for listening, and I hope you guys make some fucking cash. See ya.